All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And what a beautiful, glorious day this is. Man, we deserve this weather, do we not? My goodness. Praise God for that sunshine, uh, for the ability to be able to walk out of the house and to be able to decide, coat or no coat. If you were with us a couple nights ago, we had our Good Friday service, and what a, what a fantastic time that was. Uh, by the way, a welcome to all of those, not only here in person, but if you're joining us online as well, happy Easter. He is risen. We're so thankful that you're with us. Uh, my name is Adam Siddler, by the way. I'm the senior pastor here at North Haven. And you know, before I talk about Good Friday, let me just mention this. Uh, so I've been here almost two years as a senior pastor, which is crazy to, to think about. Um, but this is my first Easter where I'm in this room and there's other people here as well. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Yep, Easter last year looked a lot different, uh, so I'm just so thankful that we can share this time together. But we had, a, yeah, we had a Good Friday service a couple days ago, and another fantastic time for us to come together like this. But, but Good Friday, an opportunity for us to reflect, uh, to ruminate on the sacrifice that Jesus Christ became for us on the cross and uh, it was, it was a, a great time of remembrance. Uh, we had communion together. We, we sang together. We reflected together. We listened as we ventured through the stations of the cross. Uh, but we did something else a little bit unusual at the end of that service. Uh, so at the end of the service, we had baptism. We had baptism, which might seem a little odd when you think about it, but I actually was so excited to be able to do baptism at a Good Friday service, especially at the end, as we celebrated the fact that Jesus did not just die and then was buried, but that he rose from the dead and that he's living today. Because the Bible tells us that when we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, when we believe that he died on the cross for our sins and then rose from the dead and is living today, and when we decide to make him the leader of our lives, to follow him, the Bible tells us that we are then saved and we have the promise of eternal salvation. And so baptism then becomes an outward expression of what God has already done inwardly. And we had six people on Good Friday who decided to take that obedient step to get baptized and so I wanted to share that video of those highlights with you this morning.
Jesus was arrested. After, after having three years of ministry, at roughly around 33 years of age, Jesus is arrested and then tried and ultimately sentenced to death, death on a cross. And when he was arrested, all hope seemed to be lost. All hope seemed to be lost. The disciples had given up everything. They had set aside everything in their lives to follow Jesus for three years. They did just that. And they had expectations. They had hopes as to what that that would turn into. And then now Jesus was arrested. What did that mean for them? Peter, you know, you don't have to, to be a Bible scholar to have heard stories about Peter. Peter constantly put his foot in his mouth. He was the boldest of the disciples. He wore his heart on his sleeve. And even Peter, the boldest of all the disciples, also found himself, along with all the other disciples, succumbed to fear in the midst of Jesus' arrest. They didn't know what would become of them. They were following Jesus, and Jesus has just been arrested. This this guy that they were convinced would would sit on an earthly throne, would reestablish the kingdom of Israel. Just a week earlier, Jesus triumphantly came in on a donkey as people were waving palm branches. We, we had the kids walk around, if you were here, walk around waving palm branches in recognition of that wonderful moment, that story. But just a week previous, we, the disciples had witnessed this, and they were emboldened, and they felt strong that this would indeed happen, that Jesus would sit on an earthly throne, but now he's arrested. And how long before the officials start banging on on our doors, the disciples are thinking. And Peter, the boldest of all the disciples, he's confronted. He's confronted in Matthew 26, where it says that Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, came to Peter and said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But Peter denied it before them all. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. So Peter flat out denies even knowing Jesus. So all hope seemed lost. Jesus not only arrested, but then sentenced to death and ultimately death on a cross where he, where he breathed his last. We see in Luke chapter 23 where it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. But when you and I, when we die, we are not only buried, but that's where we remain. Jesus didn't remain. His, he rose from the dead. The death of Jesus wasn't the end of the story because he came back to life. He rose from the dead. And it's not, it's not just that he rose from the dead. Jesus wasn't the first recorded zombie. He was the Son of God, the risen Savior, in that he defeated death. He defeated the penalty of sin. That's much different than just coming back to life. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes, Paul the Apostle, he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That was the reality prior to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, but, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus didn't remain in the tomb. He once and for all defeated the penalty of death through sin. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is then what makes Christianity valid. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead actually validates the Christian faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So it's the resurrection of Jesus. That's why it's so important. The resurrection of Jesus is what makes our faith valid, and it's what makes hope real. It's what makes hope tangible. It's what makes hope attainable. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. It changes everything. To give you a few examples, it it changed the church. The fact that you and I are even meeting today is the result of Jesus' resurrection from the dead because the church began because of Jesus' resurrection. Whole communities then began to come together under the banner of the resurrected Jesus to praise his name and to proclaim that message. Not only did the church change, but also the Christian day. Because until that time, the sacred day was always Saturday. And then in a moment... It was shifted. It shifted to the last day of the week, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sunday. This is a huge cultural shift because you consider the fact that almost all of the first Christians were Jewish. But the most important thing that changed were people. People. People changed. And you consider... Consider uh, the disciples that every single one of the disciples, when Jesus was arrested, they bailed. They ran away. They got as far away from Jesus as they possibly could. They feared for their lives. Every single one of them. All hope had vanished. Remember, remember Peter? He had already denied Jesus once. But then soon after, We see a second time again in Matthew 26. Then he went out to the gateway. Peter went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow, this fellow was with Jesus. And Peter denies it again. And he says, I don't know the man. I don't know him. So not only did did Peter deny Jesus once, He did it two times. 
He also did it a third time. Soon after, in Matthew 26, it says, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely, come on now, you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then Peter began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. That's beyond just doubling down. That's tripling down, right? Peter, he gave up everything to follow Jesus. For three years, he went wherever Jesus went. He did whatever Jesus did. He was all in. And then when Jesus was arrested and all hope seemed lost, Peter bailed, just like all the other disciples. And he denied even knowing Jesus, not just once, not just twice, but three times. But then just 50 days, 50 days after Peter denies even knowing Jesus, just a little over a month, Peter's message drastically changes. Just 50 days. 50 days later, Peter, who had denied even knowing Jesus, is now standing in front of a crowd of thousands, mostly Jews, mostly the people who 50 days previously were yelling and screaming, crucify him. Peter was now standing emboldened in front of those thousands of people, and he was saying this. He said, David died. David, David, and Goliath, that David. David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But God has raised this Jesus to life, and we, I, we are all witnesses to it. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is a huge shift. Fifty days from denying Jesus, from denying even knowing Jesus, not just once, twice, three times, to then just 50 days later preaching to that same crowd, to those same people, the message of the resurrected Jesus. That's a huge shift, but it didn't just happen with Peter. It happened with all the disciples, all those disciples who were fleeing in fear for their lives when Jesus was arrested. Every single one of them then gave their lives for the message of the resurrected Christ. Every single one of those disciples were then martyred and killed for their belief in the resurrected Jesus. The only one who wasn't martyred for their belief was John, but he was in prison for the rest of his life, for the remainder of his life, because of that message. That's an incredible shift. 
The only explanation that we can that we can afford for this incredible shift is the resurrected Jesus. Paul E. Little, in his book, Know Why You Believe, he gives this quote. He says, people will die for what they believe to be true, though it may actually be false. They do not, however, die for what they know is a lie. The explanation for this incredible shift is the resurrected Jesus. But I'm here to tell you here this morning that it's actually not the most beautiful part. There's this often overlooked story that happens in the Gospels that I think is important to hone in on, to be able to talk about in light of Peter's denial, the pain of Peter's denial, and then the power of Jesus' resurrection. Those two things merge in the most beautiful, unassuming way. See, many of the disciples were were fishermen. And you would imagine that, that when, when the confusion of Jesus' death and then, and then the news of his resurrection, when all that came about, you would imagine then that there was probably a temptation for them to want to kind of go back to their old ways. We see a little bit of evidence in that, and that the disciples, some of them went fishing one day. This is about two weeks after Jesus rose from the dead. So they're out there fishing, and they, they spend all day. These were trained fishermen. Peter was with them. They spent all day trying to catch fish, and they, they kept coming up short. They weren't catching a single fish. And as men are prone to do, they became very stubborn. And they just kept at it. They kept insisting that eventually they'll catch something, right? So they kept at it all night, all night. They remained in that boat trying to catch something until the next morning came. And again, they hadn't caught a thing. And then something incredible happens. Unassumingly beautiful. As they're in the boat trying so desperately to to catch fish, the next morning, they see a figure on the shore, standing on the shore, putting together a fire. And as they see this figure, the figure looks at them in, in the boat, and, and he yells out, he says, haven't you caught anything? And the disciples, they're, they're in the boat, and they're like, who's this guy? No! Nothing. The figure on the shore, he responds by saying, I'll tell you what, take your nets and throw them on the other side. I promise that if you do that, you'll catch some fish. You can imagine the disciples, right? Who does this guy think he is? Anybody know this guy? No, I don't know who he is. All right, well, what do we got to lose? Okay, all right. They throw the net on the other side. And immediately, it's full with tons of fish, so much that they can't pull that net back into the boat. And then they know 
they know. I'd like to think that the, the reason they know is a combination of the miracle that is unfolding in front of them, but also I'd like to think that the sun was rising, the light was becoming more clear, and their eyes were able to adjust, and they were finally able to see who that was standing on the shore. Jesus and one of the most beautiful moments in all of scripture happens Peter Peter who had denied two weeks previous even knowing who Jesus was jumps out of the boat He doesn't even wait for the boat to get to the shore. He can't contain himself. He just leaps out of the boat into the water. It's so Peter, isn't it? And just begins to swim to Jesus. The other disciples, they're probably shaking their head, Peter, Peter, Peter. And they begin hauling the fish into shore as they all eventually get to the shore and see Jesus has provided and prepared this fire and they prepare the fish for breakfast and then they all sit around the fire you can imagine this image Jesus along with his disciples and there's this beautiful interchange that happens in that moment the quietness of that morning where Jesus he looks at Peter and he knows he knows what Peter did but he asks him one simple question he asks him looks straight straight in his eyes and says Peter do you love me Do you love me? He not only asked Peter that question once, he asks it three times. And each time, Peter responds, yes, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. Peter is now so resolutely affirming in his love for his Savior. He is compelled to respond to Jesus' question by saying, yes, yes, you know that I love you. In that moment, Jesus is inviting the disciples to gather around and to share that campfire with them. And that interchange that happens between Jesus and Peter is so profound. It is so pivotal that it moves Peter from two weeks previous having denied knowing Jesus three times to then three weeks later being able to stand in front of a crowd of thousands, the same crowd that was crying crucify him, and he's able to say these words, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call Jesus, the resurrected Savior. 
the only way, the only life, the only hope. You see, Peter knew. He knew that no one was too far gone. Nobody was too far off. See, just like Peter, Jesus is inviting you and I to to gather with him around this campfire. And you see, with with Peter there, there there was no condemnation. Jesus didn't look at Peter and say, how dare you? Jesus didn't look at Peter and say, I I know what you did. What are you going to say to answer for that? Jesus looked at Peter and just asked him, do you love me? And just like with you, as Jesus is inviting you to join him, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment, there's no scolding, there's just one simple and beautiful and profound and important and life-changing question and that is do you love me and all we need to do is respond by saying yes yes I want to invite you please to bow your heads and close your eyes and the reason I want you to do this is because this is a an important in private moment because I believe that there are people here in this room and those that are watching via the live stream who have an important decision to make for some of you you have yet to make the decision to follow Jesus and to make him the leader of your life You have yet to confess that, yes, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Yes, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, and then you rose from the dead, defeated death, and provided a way for us to have, for me to have life everlasting. And today, this this moment is for you. Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting you to join him around this campfire, and he's asking you, do you love me? some of you need to make that decision for the first time. You need to respond for the first time by saying, yes. Yes, I do. I do. And there are others of you in this room and those of you watching online who, like Peter, at one point were following Jesus. You were in step with the resurrected king, but you've gotten out of step. Your life hasn't been about God. It's been about yourself and about your sin and about, about doing what you want to do. And, and we, you need to repent. You need to refocus and recommit your life to Jesus Christ today. And just like Peter, God is, Jesus is inviting you to join him around the campfire and he's asking you that very same question do you love me and all you need to do is to respond and say yes and so what i'm going to do is for those of you that are in this room and those of you who are online and i'm going to count to three and what i'd like you to do is if that's you if you are if you need to make that decision for the very first time to respond to jesus's question by saying yes 
I do love you for the first time. Or if you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ and respond by saying, yes, I do love you. When I count to three, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand. And if those of, those of you online, if that's you, what I'd ask you to do is to, is to tap the prayer button and indicate that through the prayer. It's confidential. We have hosts that are ready to respond. So on the count of three, raise your hand to say, yes, I do love you. One, two, three. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Father, you gave the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. You provided a way for us to have life. And not just life momentarily, not just life for a moment, but life eternal. Lord, you you desire so much for us. Your whole word, the whole Bible is a love letter that you've presented, that you've given us, that, that speaks to your unrelenting pursuit of us. And it culminates in the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, we praise you that he was obedient and that he gave his life willingly as a ransom for us all. And I pray, Father, That for those that have made the decision to find and to follow you for the first time, and for those that that made the decision to get back and step with you, Lord, to recommit, I pray, Lord, that this would just be the beginning of something wonderful and new. Lord, that they would communicate that to those around them. That we would be able to walk together to spur one another on towards love and good deeds to be the church where we grow and where we love and where we always point to the resurrected King. We pray in your name. Amen.